We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. On today's show, I talk more about masculinity and Josh Hawley's call for men to grow up and act like men, to follow what St. Paul told us in his letter to the Church of Corinth. Chapter 16, verse 13, act like men. And I'm going to refer to a Catholic priest from Tulsa and an ex- Welcome to today's rebellion. The topic I want to discuss today is uh, an extension of what I talked to you about just a couple days ago, and that's the issue of manhood and masculinity in our culture. As a result of writing my article this past week in the Washington Times on this issue, where I covered the story of Josh Hawley, Republican senator from Missouri, who had the audacity to go to a conservative conference in Orlando, Florida, and actually call for the virtue of masculinity, of manhood, and suggest that one of the key problems with our culture right now is that men are refusing to act like men. They're refusing to lead. They're refusing to do the hard work. They're refusing to be men. They're spending too much time, as Holly said, playing video games, this is his language, playing video games and watching porn. And as the result of writing that article and posting it in my social media, one of my Facebook friends sent me an excellent presentation made by a Catholic priest in Tulsa, Oklahoma, on the issue issue of effeminacy. And he actually argues that it is the crisis of our times, the key problem that's facing the contemporary world, modern America, the Western world, is that men are refusing to act like men because they want pleasure, they want comfort, they want safety more than they want to do the hard work, the hard thing, the virtuous thing of acting like men. So that's what I want to talk about today. And I might go back and share with you a couple stories that are going to sound familiar, things that I've had to deal with in my career lately and in some of the talk shows and podcasts that I've been invited to be a part of as a guest. And I'm going to share with you what I think is a common theme to all of these topics. They're various and they're different sundry different topics. And you may say, well, they don't have that anything in common. For example, I have a minor role in the documentary that was just released titled Enemies Within the Church, where it talks about the apostasy of the church and the lack of conviction, the lack of orthodoxy that exists today within the evangelical church. I was recently on a show called Cross Talk, one more time, Cross Talk, a podcast, where they wanted me to talk about cancel culture. I was just last night on another show 
that's called Well-Versed, Jim Garlow's program, Well-Versed. And he wanted me to talk about the downfall of the Christian Academy, the Ivory Tower, Christian Colleges and Universities. And then just recently, I was in a county commissioner's meeting in Osage County, Oklahoma, where we had to confront the deception and the denial of one of the county commissioners working with the consulting group where they both lied to the public about how they were conducting business, about their behind-the-scenes dealings with one another as they were bringing forward a proposal for redrawing the district boundaries of the three districts of Osage County, something that they didn't have to lie about. If they just would have admitted what they were doing, they would have been fine. But as your dad told you, or my dad told me, or maybe your grandpa or your grandma or your mother, whoever told you, the problem with telling a lie is that once you tell it, you have to keep digging the hole deeper and deeper to try to uh, continue to perpetuate, to forward the lie. You can't just let it stand on its own. You have to tell another and another and another, and the hole keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And if you just would have told the truth in the first place, the problem wouldn't be near as great, especially when apparently you weren't doing anything illegal. At least now you're claiming that when you've been caught telling the lie and you're trying to explain what it was that you did, You're saying, well, I didn't do anything wrong. Well, then why did you lie about it in the first place? Anyway, my point is this. All of these stories, the enemies within the church, crosstalk, well-versed, county commissioners meeting, I would argue they have one thing in common, and that is this. Men are refusing to act like men. They're in avoidance. They want comfort. They want pleasure. They don't want confrontation. They don't want to do the hard work of virtue, of defending Veritas, the truth. They're acting in an effeminate way. Okay, let's take a break and let our sponsors give us their good word on the products that they offer. Thank you to both of them for Tedford Insurance and for and for. Tatton Manning and the Patriot Auto Group for their support of the rebellion. Very grateful for that. Let's hear from them. And when I get back, I'm going to start out by playing a brief audio clip of this particular priest in Tulsa. And he's going to define effeminacy for us. And then we'll discuss it. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. And I'll be right back in a couple of minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. So what I want to do right now is play this audio clip of a presentation recently made by Father Chad Ripperger. Chad Ripperger. One more time. Father Chad Ripperger of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And and what he calls the crisis of our time. Too many men who are effeminate. I want you to listen to this because he's going to define for you what he means by that. And he's going to start out with defining the word effeminacy. Here we go. So basically what ends up happening is this. First, what's the definition of effeminacy? Effeminacy is defined by St. Thomas Aquinas as an unwillingness to put aside one's pleasure in order to pursue what is arduous or difficult. Then later in the Summa, he defines the sloth. He defines it the same way, unwillingness to put aside one's complacency as the Latin word pleasure, or just being pleased in its comfort in order to pursue what's arduous. 
Then he asks, well, what's the difference between that and effeminacy? And he says, the difference is this. He says, with sloth, it's an aversion to what's hard. With effeminacy, it's an attachment to the pleasure. That's the problem with effeminacy, is this disordered attachment to pleasure. And so what ends up happening is, is when Adam falls, what does he do? Well, the five sins that Eve committed, Adam also committed those same sins. And one of those sins that he committed was called inept joy. That is, when he looked at the fruit and it was told to him, hey, you're not going to die and you're going to get to no good and evil. He looked at it and his lower appetites took delight in the fact fact that it was pleasing. Now, reason knew, because he got the command directly from God, do not eat from the fruit in the tree in the middle of the garden. So that was what he was told. So reason knew, if I'm going to do the right thing, I have to die to myself and just not touch the fruit. Not eat. God even says, don't even touch it, right? So instead, so he takes it, he looks at it, he takes joy in it. He allows the lower appetites to take delight contrary to reason. And then he eats the fruit, which then solidifies the decision. But what happens is, is that what the preternatural gift that, they, that Adam and Eve had before the fall, one of them, was integrity. Where all the lower faculties were perfectly subordinated to reason. What happened was, is that the, the, the lower faculties took delight contrary to reason so that when he made the choice to do that, it destroyed the gift of integrity because he chose something in which he followed his lower appetites rather than reason. And so it gave the appetites an independence, a life of their own. That is so good. I could stop the show right now and just say, your job is to just think and contemplate and meditate and pray about what Father Chad Ripiger just said. You know, he he defines effeminacy in a way that you probably didn't expect. I honestly didn't know this historic definition of what it means. You know, I would have said, if you would ask me, what's effeminacy mean? I would say it would, it's a man acting in an effeminate way, you know, acting like a female, behaving as a caricature of what we think it means to be a woman. As I've said in the past, black-facing women, uh, pretending, living in a fantasy, whether it be the mannerisms or whether it be the makeup. You know, you're putting on this costume uh, of, of the exaggerated features and characteristics and look of what you think a woman should be. It's really misogynistic to the extreme. And I think that's part of it. But what the father is bringing to the table here is the historic definition of effeminacy. The real definition, what does the word mean? And this attitude of preferring pleasure over the arduous, over the comfort, over the hard work, that that's what effeminacy is. Not necessarily acting in an exaggerated way, but avoiding the responsibility, the logic, the reason, the work, the virtue, the truth of what it means to be a man. That's what effeminacy historically has meant. And he goes back to Thomas Aquinas to give you that definition. He goes back to the Latin and the Holy Fathers and the teachings of the church. I've told you before, I hold the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church in high regard because they've guarded the history of the church for 2,000 years. Well, I think the Reformation was needed and necessary, and I am 
an evangelical, I'm not a Catholic, because of some of the things that the Reformation needed to bring to the table. For example, the elevation of Scripture over tradition, that the trump card has to be the Bible rather than man's tradition, and that it is by grace that you're saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It's not by works, lest any man should boast. I'll say that one more time. It's by grace that you're saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is not by works, lest any man should boast. So I think these truths that were brought back to the table that had been perhaps compromised over the centuries, as so much seems to be the case in any church movement, time brings with it lethargy and compromise theologically and doctrinally, and therefore you have problems. And I see that true in the evangelical church today. The irony today is the evangelicals, my tradition, seems to be softer, more effeminate, if you will, on the hard truths, the rationality, the historical facts of Christendom than some of our Orthodox and Catholic brothers and sisters. And this Catholic priest is the perfect example. So he's spot on. Now, what does this all have to do with the four stories that I shared with you? Again, the four things that I have been asked to provide commentary on in recent days on other shows. Well, Enemies Within the Church is a documentary that just was released a week or so ago. I encourage you to go out there and watch it. You can watch it for free. Just Google Enemies Within the Church. It's a brand new documentary. It's very well done, very well produced. The production quality is superb. And the entire documentary is on the compromise in the church, primarily the evangelical church, evangelical leaders. And the second one was my guest appearance on Crosstalk just two days ago, where they asked me to talk about cancel culture and safe spaces and what's going on in the academy, in the ivory tower, in that world. And then the third one was just last night, I was asked to be on Jim Garlow's show, Well Versed, and he wanted me to talk about the compromises that are taking place in the Christian colleges and universities right now. Primarily, the Council for Christian Colleges and Universities group, the group of universities, of academic institutions that are um, self-defined. Their promotional material, their advertising, their marketing says that they are biblical, evangelical, grounded in scripture, that they are Christian institutions by mission, and that that's what you get if you drop $40,000 a year to go there. You're going to get a orthodox, Christian, evangelical education grounded in all the values and the assumptions that comes with that word or that definition. And then finally, my involvement in the county commissioners meeting that I just described to you. What do these all have in common? Well, I would argue that the father just nailed it. They all have one thing in common, effeminacy. The desire to avoid what's difficult and hard and to rather be comfortable and enjoy the pleasure that comes with the lie. Um, To... Enjoy safety, if you will. Basically, this is a critique of the way we've reacted to the COVID crisis, to the COVID pandemic. We, we, we don't want to do what's hard. I mean, my land, 99% of the people that contract this disease will survive and they'll be fine. But because there's 1% or less that are at risk of 
of being ill and maybe even dying, we cower, we hide in the corner, we hide in our houses, literally. We, we actually go into quarantine from one another, even within the four walls of our own home, because we're afraid, we're afraid, we're fearful, and we don't want to lose our comfort, our pleasure, our, uh, the ease of life. We'll give up everything that's meaningful. We'll give up everything, including our very freedom, what it means to be a constitutional republic, a free people, for the sake of this this short-lived, fleeting moment of pleasure and safety and comfort. This makes no sense. We've disconnected rationality from what it means to be a functioning, mature human being, to be a man. We've refused to act like men and charge into the storm with confidence and courage, recognizing that life isn't safe, but it needs to be good. And we've decided that we're going to give up everything for the fleeting moment of safety. All right, so let's go back through the four stories. Enemies within the church, I was asked to comment on the compromises of evangelicalism, and they're rife. I mean, you have Andy Stanley, a megachurch pastor from Atlanta, Georgia, who's telling his parishioners, his congregants, who are in the tens of thousands, that they need to unhitch themselves from the Old Testament. Why? Because the Old Testament has hard, sharp truths in it. The Ten Commandments, the judgments of God, the ongoing narrative of the ebb and flow, the yo-yo of the Israelites as they obey, they're blessed as they disobey, disobey, excuse me, as they disobey, they're punished. And this is the story of the Old Testament, the original sin. Adam and Eve, the father talked about that, that it's from that story of the fall of Adam and Eve and the original sin that we see the first example of Adam succumbing to the desire of pleasure, of comfort, of safety, of of, uh, enjoying the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil rather than doing the hard work, the arduous work of letting rationality, what God has told him, uh, control his baser instincts of wanting to eat the fruit and become as God himself and basically follow Eve rather than lead her, rather than be a leader, Adam decides to be a follower because leadership is hard. It's not pleasurable. It's not comfortable. Leadership is not safe. You get my point? So the enemies within the church, this documentary exposes that effeminacy of the church leadership and the church teaching. Crosstalk, I was asked to talk about cancel culture. Well, this is obvious. Cancel culture is predicated on this assumption that you are compromising my safety. You're compromising my safe space. I don't feel comfortable. What you're saying doesn't please me. Get my point? Comfort, pleasure, safety, security are all elevated over and above truth. It doesn't matter in the academy what's true any longer. What matters in the academy, in the ivory tower, in the educational establishment today is my feelings. Facts be damned, my feelings are what matters. This is a feminacy. This is desiring the easy, the comfortable, 
the pleasurable rather than the hard and the arduous task of pursuing truth and then deciding to live by it. Well-versed, that program of Jim Garlow's that I was just on last night. What did Jim Garlow want me to talk about? The compromise of the Christian colleges and universities, how they've given up their mission statements for this mess of porridge, of popularity, of being liked rather than being leaders. And this is rife within the Christian Academy. I mean, you've got Indiana Wesleyan and David Wright coming out and giving this screed on how he needs to be more loving and affirming and inclusive to the LGBTQIA students that attend this Christian institution. He's bought the lie. He's dumbing down the definition of what it means to be a human being. He's defining the human being by virtue of what a human being wants to do rather than the human being that God has created. He's basically buying the lie that you're defined by your inclinations, the things that are pleasurable to you, the comfortable things, the things that you want to do rather than the way you really are. This is, this is buying the lie. And that particular anecdote of Indiana Wesleyan University is pervasive across so many Christian colleges and universities in the land. And then finally, this county commissioner's meeting that I was in, where we caught the, the county commissioner for District 1 in Osage County lying in a public meeting about his involvement with the consulting group that was charged to do nothing other than redraw the district boundaries for the county of Osage County, Oklahoma. Now, this is required by law. Every 10 years, the legislature of Oklahoma says you have to redraw your boundaries, your district boundaries, so that the population, the quantitative numbers of people that live within your county are essentially equally distributed between the three districts. So if one district has grown disproportionately to the others, you've got to redraw the boundaries so that each district basically has the same number of people living within it and voting within it. That's required by law. Now, there's nothing wrong with these commissioners doing something about that. In fact, they're required to do something about it. But there is something wrong when you're asked by the sheriff of Osage County, did any one of your commissioners have undue influence on the process that led to these proposed maps? And when you say no, and then a FOIA, a Freedom of Information Act request, demonstrates that's not true because there are emails that one commissioner was engaged repeatedly with the consultants. There's a problem here. So the question becomes, why did you lie about it? Why did you take the easy way out, the pleasurable way out, the safe way out, the comfortable way out of deceiving rather than just telling people the truth? And then you end up digging the hole deeper and deeper and deeper because you lied. Lies appear to be comfortable, pleasurable. Truth often is arduous and hard. So there's a common theme to all of these stories. Enemies within the church. You want to be safe. You want to be liked. You want to be inclusive and tolerant rather than doing the arduous hard work of standing for the truth. Crosstalk, same thing. This is the cancel culture attitude of you've compromised my safety, my comfort, my pleasure, and therefore you need to be silenced. You need to be canceled. Well-versed, the same thing. Jim Garlow's show, the compromise of Christian colleges and universities is buying the lie 
that the human being is designed for safety and comfort is defined by your inclinations, the things that you want to do, those pleasurable things. They're called sins, people, that you're defined by your sin rather than your savior. That's a lie. So the lie here is effeminacy and the lie that the county commissioner in Osage County, District 1 County Commissioner, committed is the same thing. He's acting effeminately because he prefers the comfort, he prefers the pleasure of deception, of denial, rather than doing the hard thing of just telling the truth in the first place. What's the common theme here, people? It's the original sin. It's all about me. That's what the common theme is. It's all about me. I am going to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I will take of that fruit. I will follow my wife's feelings rather than doing the hard work of saying, no, rationally, God has already given me the directive. Rationally, he has already set the rules. Rationally, I know what the boundaries are. I'm not the one who establishes them. My wife isn't the one who establishes them. The serpent isn't the one who establishes those rules. God is. God defines good and evil. I don't, and my wife doesn't. I'm going to lead rationally because that's my job. I'm supposed to act like a man. I... The, 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 the common theme, excuse me, the common theme in all of these stories is the original sin. It's all about me. I know better. It's about my safety, my pleasure, my comfort. It's about my safety and security. It's more important. All of these are more important than the rationality and the human responsibility, than the arduous task of finding what's true, acknowledging what's true, and then obeying what's true. It's tough to be an integrationist, to integrate head and heart and fact and faith and belief and behavior and religion and reason. That's hard work. It's hard work to tell the truth. It's easy to tell a lie. That's the common theme of all of these stories. And our good friend, this Catholic priest in Oklahoma, has done us a huge favor by citing the work of the church fathers, the history of the church, the teachings of the church, the rationality of the church, the reason of the church, the truth of the church. You know, I've quoted it over and over again. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. He emphasizes truth and freedom. He doesn't emphasize feelings, and he doesn't emphasize doing it your own way. That's not the message of Christ. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. And remember this, in times of universal deceit, truth, not your feelings, truth is the only rebellion left.